Welcome to the Build Your Practice podcast, where we're teaching you what they didn't teach you in graduate school. Build a thriving practice, impact your community, and change the field of mental health for the better. Enjoy. Judah, nice to have you here on our podcast. Thank you for inviting me. This is exciting. It is. This is so exciting. It's so cool. So um, I'm thinking back, and please forgive me because my pandemic brain like deleted a lot of information um you were a build your practice participant and i think you started with us in 2020 mm-hmm. yeah do you remember what month you signed on um i want to say around june of 2020 so i graduated from temple in june of 2020 and i had already made up my mind that I would start my private practice. So I was trying to figure out, you know, how do I start? Where do I start? What should I do? I have, I had no background whatsoever in counseling. I switched careers. Mm. Um, So yeah, at that time, I remember Temple, the counseling program at Temple had this 45-minute webinar, and I think it was Griffin and you, I believe, Mm. at that point, who had done the webinar, and I was so impressed with, like, the, just the ease and the warmth that you guys had, Um, and so I, you know, I said, all right, let me figure out if I can pay Mm-hmm. you know and how I can pay and I spoke with Griffin and again like I just was like floored so I said all right I'll sign up and that was how I signed up so I, I want to say June because this was before I graduated that I saw the webinar so I mean may, may maybe I remember doing the webinars when we first got started but um, and I think it was something like three keys to launching your practice or something like that I think so. Yeah. yeah, and I remember, you know, we had these slides and we kind of went back and forth and spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm surprised. So Temple hosted that? I don't remember that. I th- So I don't think it was Temple who hosted it, but I believe that they had offered this to students who wanted to attend this webinar. Hmm. And so I... I as far as I remember, yeah, the counseling program had sent out an email saying, hey, you know, this is a webinar. If anyone wants to attend, here's the link to sign up for it, um, which I did. And I think there were a bunch of people there. Um, yeah, I mean, we would usually have pretty big groups. Yeah. So I had received the link from the counseling program. I don't know if it was specifically Temple who hosted yeah yeah right like you know they what didn't, I mean? it wasn't yeah. in collaboration with necessarily no, no. but I'm asking that because I find that to be forward thinking mm-hmm. because a lot of universities that we have and had reached out to during that time were um like apathetic or um even what's another good word um uh not curious in a positive way but kind of scrutinized the idea mm. of having 
providers in private practice come and speak to clinical students about private practice because we got so much pushback of students need to go to agency setting after graduation. Yes. And so when you said Temple, I was like, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Maybe we need to call Temple again because (laughs) I think at one point we kind of gave up reaching out to schools because there was this really negative, like, well, you can't do that kind of vibe. I think generally when when students are graduating out of programs, the idea is you go into a setting where you'll get a lot of experience, right? So agency setting would, would be ideal. And I did, after I graduated, I went into, um, kind of a full-time job with the Women's Resource Center in Wayne. Mm. But I, since the pandemic had already hit and everything had shut down, everything was virtual at that time, um, I had notified them, you know, when I was taking up the job that, yes, I'm, I'm definitely going to do my job, but I'm also interested in starting my own private practice. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also because I'm a little bit older than the traditional student graduating from counseling programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had a very clear vision of what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very goal-oriented person. So I, by that, by July of 2020, I had my Excel spreadsheet with six months, one year, three years, five years, and where do I see myself? That's awesome. Um, so, um, so yeah, and actually at that time before I graduated, I had three job offers already. So I was kind of figuring out whether I wanted to be in a job, private practice. And at that time, when I did see you and uh, Griffin, Uh, with the webinar, I thought it was possible, Mm -hmm. you know, that private practice is possible right out of school. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in in one way, you're absolutely right. Like, there is that pushback of, okay, you need to gather experience, because there's so much with how do you talk to a client? How do you terminate with a client? How do you, you know, like, um, solve conflict, you need supervision. So paying for supervision is also very expensive, mm-hmm. right? Like individual supervision, group supervision, mm-hmm. if you want your license. Um, it, so in private practice, so agency kind of allows you to to do all of that with that kind of uh, mm-hmm. investment, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I, I see both sides to it. But for me, I think, as I said before, because I'm kind of little bit older, I transitioned into counseling psychology. Mm -hmm. I was very much clear that this would be my path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're not anti-agency by any stretch of, like, you know, we advertise and market and we're all over the internet. And so, you know, I love people, I love people on the internet who don't know you, who go on and they're like, here's everything that I think about what you're doing without having asked any questions and really dug deeper. And, you know, marketing right now is this world of, you know, 10 second reels that are fast moving and throw a lot of information and grab your attention. Okay. We're going to send you over there. And it's this weird, um, I go back and forth with it. Like, I don't like that. That's how it is, but this is also what we have to do to stay relevant. Just like I say, I wish build your practice wasn't a necessity. Like I wish trauma Mm, therapists were not mm. a necessity. 
But we have this world right now where some agencies do a great job at paying providers well. They're organized. They are consistent in their supervision. They don't overload caseloads. Yep. The paperwork is manageable. There's also another side to that, which is a far cry from everything that I've just said. Yeah. And what happens on the far cry side is that people go into those settings and they start to feel doubt and shame about their capacity to do what they want to do, mm-hmm. right? Like at Build Your Practice, we're growing very quickly right now. And sometimes the growth is hard to manage. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a blessing, but it's a backhanded blessing, you know, because it comes sometimes with this feeling of like, I don't know if I'm doing a good job or I'm keeping up with the demand of the growth. Yeah. And so I see that in our organization sometimes, and I see that reflected in our providers that, you know, these people come to us and we work with them and train them and you see the lights come back on and they mm-hmm. re-engage with the joy of helping yeah. others because now there's this, um, there's a reciprocal relationship of mm-hmm. I'm giving and I'm also receiving, but not all agencies provide that. So yeah. I think we're careful to say in a bigger in a bigger conversation, yes. we're not anti-agency. We just want the agencies to be basically what I would call trauma-informed, right? Yeah. So that everybody under the care of that agency is well provided for. Um, so are you still working with that agency or have you left them or? No, so, so I, I worked with, the Women's Resource Center for about a year, less than a year. And then I transitioned into full-time private practice. Oh, I think yeah. I remember when that happened. Yeah. And I I mean, I love, I learned so much there. My supervisor was amazing. And I still keep in touch with her, asking her questions and things like that. Um, but like I said, my one-year goal was to enter full-time private practice, which mm. around May of 2021, I kind of did. Wow, that's so crazy in less yeah. than a year's time. Um, tell me a little bit about your practice right now. So I remember at one point you had this vision of working with a specific pop- a specific population. Yep. Yep. Okay, so where are you in that process? So... I've evolved. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? But um, so again, like when I, before I came into counseling psychology, I was a professor. So my a lot of my focus was on um, domestic violence and abuse and women. And I did a lot of my research in that space. So as I was kind of working through counseling, psychology program, I was still focused on women and sort of transitions, right? So Women's Resource Center offered me a lot of that Mm -hmm. uh, support there as well, working with women, going through different life transitions. Um, So I was focused at that time with that. But in the meantime, I was also beginning to work with teens because there was so much need um, to kind of, okay, a friend would call and say, hey, I know so-and-so who wants therapy for their teenager. Would you be willing to work with them? Um, 
And I was like, I don't know, I haven't. And so I went back to my supervisor and I was like, okay, I don't know, should I, should I not? And she was like, well, you have worked with women and their kids, so maybe you should try that. Um, And so I did. Um, I also didn't want to get too much into working with teens because I have, at that point, I had one teenager and one tween who thought he was... I don't know, an older teen. So, um, <laughs> yeah. but then I, I you know, eventually um, I kind of wor- started working with teens and now my practice is primarily teenagers. And wow. Yeah. And, so, you know, and I still work with women who are going through life transitions like divorce, um, um, work issues, mm-hmm. relationships and parenting. Mm-hmm. So it it has kind of switched, and honestly, I'm really, really enjoying that. So interesting yeah. how that happens. I know. I did not expect that at all. Yeah, I remember going into counseling, having young children at the time. They were in middle school. They weren't. Li- they weren't quite teenagers yet, or they were about to be, and be like fifth and sixth grade. Mm-hmm. But a parent of a child locally reached out and was like, I've heard about you and that you're this trauma therapist and I really need somebody to work with my child. And this child was five. Yeah. And I was like, look, that's like not my area. The only thing I can really bring to the table outside of, you know, the trauma lens mm-hmm. is being a parent and having raised my own kids. Yeah. But I haven't done direct work with children other than teaching, which is totally different than a counseling environment. And this person, I mean, like borderline got on a bended knee and begged me. And I was like, okay, I will help you. But it's contingent upon X, Y, and Z, X amount of time, Mm -hmm. X amount of progress. And it ended up being such a cool case. It was not just, you know, a young child with some, you know, regulation issues, but there was a lot going on with them. I mean, they were having issues with toileting. They were having issues with, you know, social, emotional. It was there. It was just this huge case. And it was so life changing for me as a counselor. I think maybe because I hadn't worked with kids, you know, that Mm -hmm. it was, I came into it with such a fresh mind that, um, I mean, we just made a total 180 in such a short period of time. Um, And I also, you know, worked in the system. Like, I went into the school. I went into the family system. Like, I really Mm -hmm. reached into it. And so then after that, I worked with kids for a while. But um, it's kind of reminding me a little bit of the mindset shift around counselor education into agency work versus counselor education into private practice, um, there's an evolution there too. Mm -hmm. So what have you noticed or what did you notice as you decided to go into business on your own? What are you still noticing? What are you learning? What have you learned? Like, (laughs) tell us a little bit about what you think. That's such a big question. It's a huge question. And it's like... I don't know. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm still struggling, like Mm. totally struggling on the business side, because as therapists, we know what we are doing, uh, mostly, maybe 
less mostly i don't know but sometimes we know what we are doing right okay. like, with with our clients um but the business side is wow i i don't even like i i don't know what i do honestly and i'm being very honest although i'm a very goal oriented person when it comes to numbers accounting um you know marketing i'm i'm a full zero <laughs> maybe minus 5 <laughs> on that so like you were saying like with social media i have literally i have spurts you know where i'll go i'll schedule posts and then for two months there's nothing mm-hmm. because it's not me mm-hmm. uh, so with the transition to private practice it was very helpful to have those one-on-one conversations that I was so lucky to have with Griffin mm-hmm. um, because I'm not I'm like I said I'm not a business minded person mm. um, but having said that I also have a husband who is super business minded has you know built a company sold it bought you know like he does businesses all he knows and loves to do so i i have his backing so i have no understanding of how to file taxes which i i, I hope everyone knows how to <laughs> um but i'm not interested in figuring out okay if i make so much then you know mm-hmm. what's the liability so all of that my husband manages mm-hmm. um what i do have that is i think my strength is i know what i want for my business so which means i don't know the economics part of it i know that if i have this goal for a week and if i'm able to make that much for 6 months then yes i have you know i can grow my business if that mm-hmm. makes sense so i have targets um when i started I looked at my target as hey if I have like 5 clients I'm going to be so happy and I think I'm going to make it in life um <laughs> in 2020 and I will do anything for that um so I started with that to now where I have about you know 15 to 20 clients a week um but also now I have the confidence to say well my time is worth this much. Mm-hmm. Um and it comes from both honestly having those conversations mm-hmm. uh with Griffin and I, with you as well at mm-hmm. times uh and my husband who always says you know you have to you have to value yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you have to value your work. Um and my perspective was always like i have to help my clients no matter where they are and so that struggle between okay what is my time worth and how can i help my my clients mm-hmm. uh, sometimes who cannot pay um so i had to strike that balance for myself mm-hmm. so on the business side kind of i focus more on my target my goals in that sense but if you ask me who does the accounting not me Well, okay, so I would say that that actually is the business piece is knowing your value, knowing how to build those relationships, knowing how to keep basically the energy and the people and the money flowing through the business, right? Mm-hmm. Who we hire or who we don't hire to help us manage all of yeah. that 
is it's primary, but in a way it's also secondary because if you don't have that acumen, if you don't have that skill and you don't have that mindset, you don't have the business, right? Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. could have said, you know, I'm going to charge $20 an hour and I'm going to see 30 people a week and I'm going to feel really good about myself because I'm helping lots of people for very little money. And that means Mm -hmm. I'm good at being a therapist. Okay, cool. But what you had to do, and I remember one conversation where I was like, Rajuta, I think what you need to do here is increase your rate, right? Which is like what we say to everybody. Because what that does is that opens you up to receiving more. And when we receive more, we can give more. And the mindset of a therapist isn't scroogey, hoardy, Mm -hmm. keep it all to myself, the mindset of the therapist, and this is with everyone that we work with at Build Your Practice and everyone that we work with here at the center is, your natural wiring is to give. So we have to help the wiring that isn't built that says I need to receive. Because we wouldn't coach our clients to do that, right? Go and give away all of your internal and external resources for the goodness of mankind, but when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're sweating bullets because you don't know if the bills are going to get paid, don't worry about that, right? Like, we would never coach that. That's not health. But that, I believe, is embedded in the field in a Mm -hmm. way. Absolutely. And I don't know, like, where... I ask this a lot. I'm like, did this start because the counseling field was built primarily on women for the longest time, although... That's not necessarily true because early, early influencers in the counseling field were mm-hmm. Freud and Jung and, and these list of men. Yeah. So it's like, where does this, like, where do we, where do we start? But, yeah. um, you know, one of the things that I jotted down about a potential topic is how that impacts provider health. Like, mm-hmm. how your mindset going into clinical practice changes when you feel valued. Yeah. 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 So like how, you know, maybe if you want to speak to that a little bit, what have you noticed across time as you give yourself permission basically mm-hmm. to earn? Yeah. Maybe not. No, but I, I think that's a great question because I honestly struggle with that question every single day, mm-hmm. you know, but then I'm also thinking sustainability, Mm-hmm. In terms of just you know taking care of my household, um, availability mm-hmm. to my family and to myself, um, and then also to my clients, right? Like if I have to strike that balance, I've come to the realization that if I'm able to take care of myself, and the basic to me, if I take a ten minute nap in the afternoon, if I allow myself to have that I'm so much more available Mm -hmm. in the morning and in the afternoon to my clients and my family Mm -hmm. right so as basic as that now Mm -hmm. it actually had dawned on me to think about myself because you're right as women we are constantly told that your worth ties directly with how much sacrifice you're able to make for your own family, for your friends, your availability to everyone who needs you. Mm. As a mother, as a wife, as a sister, as a daughter, 
that is who you are mm-hmm. and i i believe that's global mm-hmm. um growing up in a culture that i grew up in india although my parents uh, were super uh progressive liberal do what you want as long as you are happy and able to you know take care of yourself financially go do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. um they would have liked me to be a medical doctor but i didn't want to be and they were okay with that um so even though they were progressive the the cultural construct was always that it's your job to take care mm-hmm. of everyone mm-hmm. right um my, in my own family i've seen even my grandfather who was a doctor you know go biking to these remote remote villages taking me i would carry his briefcase and offering service mm. and so that's how i grew up so offering service is part of who you are mm. and then now double it down as a woman mm-hmm. right um so when i became a mother and i started struggling with oh my goodness i have a full time job i have at some point two kids mm-hmm. um i'm so tired i don't know what to do mm-hmm. um although i must say that my parents and my in-laws helped me with my kids a lot mm-hmm. but the idea that i couldn't be everywhere at all times taking care of things and still being not overwhelmed and exhausted mm-hmm. was something i carried with me for a long time mm-hmm. So when I came into therapy I knew I knew that that was not sustainable that I had to be available to my kids first and foremost mm-hmm. to my clients friends things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay so then to answer your question mm-hmm. I already knew that self care was the most important thing mm-hmm. for me and I started thinking about what were some of the things that helped me First thing that I never ever negotiate with is my exercise. Mm-hmm. Um I go, I exercise pretty much kind of every day in some form. Mm-hmm. Um my husband and I make sure that we are available to our kids each one of us when the other one is not uh there mm-hmm. so for example in the evening when i'm with clients he is available for the k- mm-hmm. kids so that partnership is really important that support system is important for me having my extended family visit stop by have interactions with my kids is very important so my mother my in-laws my our extended cousins families all over the world do come to our house mm-hmm. you know sometime during the year and we do have family vacation so those i i realize those are the things that keep me grounded mm-hmm. and therefore i am so much present in whatever i do mm-hmm. so those are non negotiables for me mm-hmm. the negotiables the flexible kind of boundaries or things for me are kids are sick you know what do you do you 
okay, I will figure things out, how to rearrange clients. Or if a client needs me, I will sometimes figure out what to do with the family. Mm. Uh, with my friends, I go out with my friends once a month. Um, once a year, I travel with my own friends uh, for two weeks. So I do those things so that I'm available. I'm mm -hmm. present. I'm happy as mm -hmm. much as I can be. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, those things are important. I don't know if I am. Yeah, no, this, you're great. You're totally good. <laughs> I mean, we did like macro to micro. Something else that popped up, I had a question, is what do you think your husband would say about your changes as he's been an outside observer, right? Like, I'm like you. Yeah. I'm, I'm knowing I'm doing extremely well, extremely well. And I'm still <laughs> like, and no matter how you, how you measure that, in terms of income, my income has increased. I mean, I'm not like rolling in money, but I mean, I'm doing much better than when I started all of this. Um, I'm doing well in terms of there's plenty of evidence to demonstrate that I'm a great entrepreneur and mm -hmm. I build great communities. And I'm sure there's all kinds of, you know, critique to some of what I've done and how I've done it. But I think I've, when I look at how I measure success in several columns I do really well but there's always this other column where I'm always working which yeah. is how I let myself experience it mm -hmm. and I still overthink and I worry and I overdo and I exhaust myself and I'm like the champion of taking care of people I'm like I'm taking care of these yes. people and this person and that person and that person and that person and then it's like no wonder I'm so fried sometimes but um you know there are those people around us that see us from different angles. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for those people because they'll say things in passing that remind me that I'm doing a good job. Yeah. And I forget without them because I'm yeah. so used to being the caretaker. Yes. So I'm going to guess your husband has probably seen Absolutely. change. What do you think he would say oh or what has God. he said? Oh my God, I don't even know. <laughs> because we've been, so we've been married for 25 years and wow. we've known each other for 30-ish years. Wow. So all our lives, all our lives actually. Um, or most of our lives. Yeah, I think, I don't know, what would he say? It's very, I don't know. Like from where street. you were in graduate school, let's say, to I think I want to start a private practice to now I've started a private practice. Now I'm working with these crazy people who are telling me how I need to change my practice. <laughs> now I'm changing my practice. Here's what my practice is doing now. From this Rajuda to this Rajuda. Um, what does he notice? I don't know. He's always been my cheerleader. So Aww. it's. I mean, he always, I, I think he, all I hear him say is, oh, I knew you could do it. Mm. You know, I mean, my kids also are my biggest cheerleaders. They're like, we know you can do it. So, I've, again, like having that support system, having that community, like mm. I have great friends too. Like they, mm -hmm. I think that's what we need in order to succeed. And even... Uh, I mentioned I got an office space. The person who is, re you know, renting with me is also like a cheerleader. Like mm -hmm. we we talk, we are able to support each other. So I believe in building mm -hmm. that support system, that community, especially as an 
as an immigrant mm. uh, coming here having no support it was just my husband and me mm. wow you know and yeah. it's it's a like for us it was we have to build a family of friends mm-hmm. and 25 years ago when we came here one phone call cost like i think a dollar and a half a minute to india to india oh my god and it was impossible so my our parents would call you know and pay for every <laughs> every call because mm-hmm. we couldn't even afford that mm-hmm. so from there to now uh we knew that we had to build our own community we had to build you know bring in people in our lives that will support us in ways that will they will hold us up and mm-hmm. not pull us down mm-hmm. and that's what we've done for each other our kids know that uh when i'm i'm an anxious person i over prepare for everything <laughs> um like i'm just super anxious so even for this <laughs> talk you know conversation <laughs> all night i was thinking about i have to sit this way i have to talk this way i have to do this oh, you know yeah. like that's just me <laughs> my brain goes into overdrive these three people in my life will say stop yeah. you know you are great we love you we are here for you and that kind of slows me down too so yeah in our so our group calls have changed a lot since um you were with us and it used to be just kind of open process like log in mm-hmm. we'll answer questions we'll walk you through but since then um I've worked on creating with the help of everyone in our community a curriculum um and I forget where I have it in the process in the topics but one of the things I have all of the participants do You know, and they sit there they're like, "Wait, I thought we're I'm in a business course." Well, yeah. you're in a business course, but part of business mindset, part of entrepreneurial mindset is also noticing that it is a deeply emotional experience. Yeah. Like you cannot go through this process without yeah. feeling like you're going to throw up, waking up in the mm. middle of the night, being really excited, having a great huge thing to yeah. celebrate, yeah. wondering, "What am I thinking?" Like that's yeah. all part of it. Yeah. So I'll have them write down what i call and i do this with clients as well your no matter what list yeah. and on a post it note or whether it's a photograph or an index card or something or maybe on your phone but something that shows you no matter what i know that these people exist in my life and i can yeah. go to them and say i've created this thing and it crumbled to pieces and i'm a massive failure and it's all fallen apart and nobody loves me everybody hates me i'm going to go eat worms and they're going to say what well, i'm not one of those people like we need we need the no matter what's yeah. um yeah and you know i wish so much that we taught some of these concepts in clinical education as well because it's so rigorous and academic and it's client focused and they talk about self-care and hopefully it's changed since I was in school but I'm not getting the sense that it is you know and they talk about things like scheduling time out for yourself or you know making sure that you talk to a friend mm-hmm. or that you're you have health with your body which are all important things but there's also something to it where it's how does your work life feed you yeah how does that feed you in terms of your emotional, spiritual and physical health? Mhm. And 
you know, we have participants that don't have partnership. Like when I was going into this and still like I'm seeing a really amazing person, amazing person. I'm super happy. But that's recent. Up until now, it was me. And it's still me in a lot of ways. Um, And so, you know, how do we, whether it's with partnership, not with partnership, whatever it is, how do we identify what that sort of safety net is Mm -hmm. because we need that psychological safety absolutely yeah that's such a great question and again going back to being an immigrant that was the first thing i so i also grew up in an extended family with lots of cousins and lots of people around me Mm -hmm. and then coming here it was just me and my partner wow right like that shift was was a lot well but also when you're in your early 20s you want to explore the world yeah and you want to be on your own and which that gave me a great opportunity to do that but as I grew older I realized with my kids especially it's like I need to build that community Mm -hmm. so I mean I work with women who are going through divorce and so this is a lot of that conversation happens with clients who are struggling with okay I'm on my own how do I create that community? Mm -hmm. And especially because with separation, divorce, or just being, you know, like trust is such a big, big issue. Mm -hmm. We live in a world right now where I think loneliness is an epidemic. Mm -hmm. Um, Being in this untrustworthy kind Mm -hmm. of space with so much happening, Mm Um, I think it's, for me, it has been really important. And I talk about this with clients too. It's very important for me to focus on something that I'm grateful for, for the mindful practices that I do pretty much every day. When I, when I wake up in the morning, I do, I have a small temple in my house. I just go, you know, fold my hands in front of the goddess that I worship. And I thank for the day that I'm going to have. I thank for the, you know, things that I have. So small, grateful things are also very important. Now, I saw that um, my mom did that. You know, get up in the morning. First thing you do is, you know, just thank God for everything. Um, So I, I... do that my kids see me doing that so I'm hoping that will translate for them as well so starting with small practices that are meaningful for you Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the day and mostly before you go to bed which sometimes I miss but you Mm -hmm. know can be very helpful Mm -hmm. Um, I think also to have a little bit of Uh, movement in your life every day for Mm -hmm. those endorphins for some good hormones to kind Mm -hmm. of come come up feel better in your body can then snowball into doing you know better sort of positive things hopefully Mm -hmm. Um, so I do a lot of that Mm -hmm. Um, I think also like meeting people and so there's so Mm. much research on kind of even if you're in a mall for example and you smile at a stranger gives you the feeling of of connective connectedness Mm -hmm. uh with each other and i think we are missing that Mm. um so i try to do that at the grocery store i will smile at someone who is directly in front of me and it feels good Mm -hmm. um so you don't have to 
kind of feel that you are relying only on yourself mm-hmm. or you need a specific cheerleader in life if you don't have mm-hmm. a partner you can have those things mm-hmm. you know you can start having those things practicing these things mm-hmm. uh, and then you build up because when, uh, at least i believe that when you feel that inner contentment or joy on even like a very basic level you are going to put that out that energy into the world and that's going to attract that energy back to you mm-hmm. i think this is for time sake and just topic sake a good place to close um you know because i think that's ultimately the foundation of build your practice even though we're teaching business skills at the at the core of it is that word reciprocity mm-hmm. right it's like mm-hmm. what happens when we help providers experience health in their business right yep. like we have people come in that start with us and Weeks or months later, they're like, wow, I, I'm thinking of this one couple. They work together and they have a family. And I remember they were on a group call and he's like, I'm actually taking time out and doing things with my kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. But he also wasn't taking time out and doing things with his kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I love that. If if that that's sort of like the 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 biopsychosocial measurement of of the health of the mm-hmm. practices can i experience gratitude can i experience joy can i experience my life can i experience contentment yeah. and that doesn't come in the form of greed right that comes in the form of making sure i'm taken care of so that i can give to my kids mm-hmm. I can give to my community. I can give back to these people that I'm taking care of, Mm -hmm. right? So um, any like, no pressure to say anything, but like any any final thoughts or anything that you, anything else you want to put out there? I'll say a couple of things. Okay. One, I really truly want to thank you and Griffin for holding that space for me when I needed it the most. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very thankful for that. So I wanted to say that like at the beginning of the podcast, but okay, missed that, but I'm saying it now. Um, it, it was very, you know, it, that time was very important for me to be able to grow. And the two of you gave me that space and allowed me to do that. Um, and I could get in touch with you anytime, which mm-hmm. made me feel like that connection, that support system that I had. So that was that was a very important part of my life. Um, second, um, I think it's very important for everyone, especially growing as a business and as a therapist, right? Like I don't see those two things super separate now mm-hmm. because when I have negative thoughts, I'm having negative thoughts for both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not just one over the other. So I'm struggling with both. So as as a business owner as a therapist i think the key is to be able to take care of yourself and to have that thought that if i take care of myself 
I'm going to be fully present for someone else. Mm-hmm. If I'm unhappy, I'm not present for my clients mm-hmm. and it does not do any good. Right? Totally. So I had someone when I when I was I had just given birth to my older one and I kept saying, "Oh, I need to go, you know, for a walk. I need to make sure that um I shower today." So this friend of mine said to me, "Well, I'm only hearing you say take care of you, 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 you." Like what's going on? Is something wrong? And that set me thinking and I I told her, I said, "Well, if I don't shower today, I'm going to stink and I cannot nurse my child because I'm thinking my child is going to know I'm I'm stinking. If I don't go for a walk, I'm not going to be happy and I'm not going to be pleasant and it's going to create a very negative energy in the household. So yes, you're hearing me say me me me. It's not selfish. It's actually because I'm I want to be present for these people in my life. So f- so the, that from that day onwards, I made it a rule that I have to take care of myself in order to take care of all the people in my life that I care about. And my clients are very important to me. If mm-hmm. I am taking on a client, I'm taking on a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so for me to be available for them, I have to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And... Last, I practice gratitude. I'm a very anxious person. It's the best antidote for me um, because I'm already like, what if, what if, what if this interview is not good, right? <laughs> I'm, 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 I suck at this interview. <laughs> Winden is thinking, oh my God, she talks yeah. about herself all the time probably, right? So I'm already in that mode. So practicing gratitude really helps calm me down. Mm-hmm. And so I practice that every single morning. And mm-hmm. so I'm very thankful to be here. I'm very thankful for the two of you, you know, to be able to talk, to be able to express Mm -hmm. and for this space. Well, so closing on gratitude, um, I have to go back and look, but I mean, you must have been one of the first 30 people we worked with. I mean, you were an early, early student and your name has stuck with us. So if anyone <laughs> says Rajuda, it's like, Rajuda, Rajuda's this like, person, this like mythical person. It builds your practice. Um, and just like you were saying, you held, we held space for you, whether you knew it or not, you did that for us because we had to start at zero. You know what I mean? Every business we starts at zero. Yeah. So... Like, I'm thinking about my first ever client. Like, I wouldn't be in private practice today if I didn't have that first ever client. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I know he's not here, but on behalf of both Griffin and I, or on Griffin and me, the two of us, yeah. um, we're super thankful that you saw that webinar and thought, okay, maybe I'm going to try these <laughs> crazy kids on the internet and no, see if they can help. Wonderful. and it was yeah, wonderful. Yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> so thank you, Rajuda. And um, what we'll do is, um, you know, we'll share with everyone who's listening um, your contact information. It'll sure. be in the show notes, all this crazy yep. podcast lingo that I'm learning. But um, <laughs> yeah. so thank you for coming in today. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs>